Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Selah Fellowship podcast of our Wednesday services. We are currently studying through the book of Exodus. Please open your Bibles to Exodus as we dive into our study this evening. Well, good evening. Good evening. It is a Wednesday night. Yes, it is. And it's snowing, and it's still cold, and I'm pretty sure it's the end of February, and it's not right, but... It is what it is. Hopefully it gets warmer soon. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Jordan. And I'll be sharing from God's Word tonight. We'll be in Exodus chapter 21. If you don't have a Bible, there are some in front of you you can grab. So we're coming off with Moses and the Lord. God's giving him uh, the Ten Commandments and a lot of thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not. Ten of them, thou shall not. And then we dive into 21 and it's really interesting because he starts with, in, in chapter 20, you know, thou shall not, thou shall not. And now we have in chapter 21, so when you do, we will judge in this way. I will judge in this way. So you have already a glimpse of God's heart. For me, I look at it and I said, Lord, you told us not to. You told us not to. And at that point, we would all agree that you probably shouldn't. And at that point, we'd all agree that you just shouldn't. Because he said not to. But then he goes on into this next chapter and he says, But if when you do, but when you do, when, when you do, break these, when you do fall short, when, when the wickedness takes over and, you, and, and a man's heart finds himself doing, the, the Lord, He will judge. And you look at that and you're like, oh man, just going to get in trouble. Just going just gonna, to, okay Lord, show, like what's going to happen? When we do bad, what's going to happen? He's like, oh, I, that's not my heart. Now, there is consequence. When, there, when, when wrong is done, there's, there is consequence. But my heart, I want to I show you, Jordan, that I, I really care for lives. I'm really passionate about keeping and protecting and caring. Because my judgments, they, they, they will come against those who do wrong, but they are to keep the ones who wrong is being done against. You see, we're going to be talking about slaves, and he set these boundaries so that the slave wasn't just set into slavery, but that there might be boundaries and that the slave might be valued. We're going to be reading about children, pregnant women, men having their lives be taken. And he values life to the point of, hey, I, I want to do something about this. And so tonight, be encouraged. Wherever you find yourself tonight, be encouraged because our God truly values life. And everyone in here is alive. He values your life. He cares. He knows where you are. He knows exactly what you're doing, what you're thinking, what your heart's meditating on. You know, the psalm says that the words of my mouth, may they be good and may the meditation of my heart be acceptable before you like that's where we should be but maybe we're not maybe we are live we were in um, a prayer just the other day i think it was yesterday staff prayer and the prayer came from behind me 
And, and the prayer was, Lord, for those who are alive, may there be praise and thanks. Lord, for those who are, are struggling, may there be encouragement. And then all of a sudden you hear, Lord, and for those who are dead, may they be born again. May they be, may they, may they be brought back to new. May they feel and embrace your love to be, to, be, to be refreshed and renewed and to once again see who you are and to see your hope and to see your plan and your purpose and get excited and then you're thankful again and you're praising Him again. So wherever you find yourself tonight, know that He values your life. He cares. And He wants to protect. He wants to keep. He wants to correct. If, if we're in the room and, and we find ourselves being the one that keeps just finding ourselves with that bitterness, or that jealousy, or that envy, if, you, if you're slipping up, if you're falling short, know that He too values your life. And He will do what He needs to do to bring you back so that you're thankful again and you're praising Him again for who He is. So it's for all of us. He values life. And it's, it must have broke His heart. I'm going to set out these laws. I'm going to set out these Ten Commandments. And if they would keep them, though we know they can't, but if they could, the life that they would have in me. But because they can't, here's what we got to do. We got to set out these judgments. We got to set out these these rules. And judgment in the Greek, it's uh, mishpat. And I I don't know why, but I had a lot of fun saying that in my head this week. And I like said it wrong for the first like five days. And I, I luckily looked down and I corrected my. He corrected me. There was a correction made. But it's mishpat, and it means acts of deciding a case. It's processes, it's a procedure, sentences, verdicts, and decisions. So when something is done that's wrong, there needs to be a process, there needs to be an act to decide what is going to be done about it. What are we going to do when this was done? I was on jury duty one time, it was about a year ago, or a little bit, maybe more than a year. Yeah, a little bit more than a year. And it was a long, a long case, and it was about a very silly thing, I thought. But not to this man. This man thought it was a very serious thing. He was, he was ripped off. And so, of course, I look and I'm like, this is wrong. But then the guy who's getting charged, I was like, well, he can't be getting charged. That's wrong. There's just so many parties involved. And then we get into the back room. The judge comes in, gives us our little piece of paper. And they're like, all right, you need to pick a person that's going to represent. There was like 13 of us. And they're like, how about the young guy? I'm like the youngest guy there. I was like, come on. Like me? Like, come no, no, I don't, I don't. And he's like, what's the responsibility? Okay, you have to go through all these questions. And at the end of the day, you get to stand up. And the judge goes, has the jury reached a verdict? And I stood up and I said, we have your honor. And I, I practiced that about 30 different times in 30 different ways to come up with. We, we have your honor. And I messed it up anyway. So, But there was, some, there, was, there was a case decided. There was a decision made. A man had been wronged. And because of that wrong, there was value put to it, and it was, re- it was repaid. The Lord looks down and He says, that's wrong. That's not right. And something needs to be done about it. And of course, ultimately, we wronged Him. We fell in the garden, born into sin. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Nothing we can do. And He looks down and He goes, it's wrong. There's something that t- terribly went wrong. 
And they can't do anything to make it right. They can't. They try, they try. You look at them, look at them work. Look at them perform. Look at their good deeds like filthy rags. But I can do something. And if you were here on Sunday, you, you heard a story that Kev shared of a man of what a father would do in sending his son to die for, for people to make a wrong a right. And so judgments, we're going to be looking at them, but I want you to not be afraid, but to, but to be excited that the Lord would even care enough to say this is wrong. This is wrong. And for every, any of you that's being wronged, if you've been wrong or if you've done wrong, a right has to be made. It's his character. It's his, it's, it's his good nature that he would take care of those. You look in the Psalms and you look at the ones crying out. He's, he's near to the brokenhearted. To the ones who are being oppressed, he comes. And he, and he brings up. He lifts up. And he helps. So be encouraged tonight as we, as we dive into this text that um, when I first looked at it, I was just like, oh man, this is going to be interesting. Just rules. What do you do with rules? Well, you follow them. What do you do with judgments? You appreciate them. And you thank the Lord for them because they're for us, to help us um, know who He is and draw near to Him. So in verse 1 it says, Now these are the judgments. Mishpah. Pat. See? Told you. Which you shall set before them. God's talking to Moses. And in chapter 18, he, he did select a group of godly men to be judges. These judgments would help them. They, they would help these judges um, take care of just situations, disputes that would happen throughout the day. Moses was just being bombarded with so much stuff. They were coming, what about this? What do we do with this? Hey, he stole my pen. What do you do with it? And Moses like, dude, I got to go up to the mountain again. I can't keep doing this. These people are... And so they appointed judges. Godly men who would look after the thousands and the hundreds and the tens and the ones. And so God is now setting forth, these are judgments, these are principles, these will help you do right when there's been wrong done. And it says in verse 2, If you buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve six years, and in the seventh he shall go out free and pay nothing. If he comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master had given him a wife, and she has borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her, and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. But if the servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or to the doorpost, and his master shall pierce his ear with an owl, an owl, an owl, owl, and he shall serve him forever. It's not owl, like as in the bird, just if anyone was confused by that, by my speech. But he starts off with a Hebrew servant. And I thought of this. Does it, what's the significance? He, he's showing us right off the beginning. If, if you were if you to buy a Hebrew servant, maybe the servant um, had done something and owes some debt. Maybe he wasn't able to pay it back and what, what have you. Um, but he ended up as a servant. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I started with a servant because I want you to know that I'm looking at the lowest. There is no status in my economy. There's no 
I, I, I look after first the ones who have the most money. I look after the ones who have the biggest church. I look after the ones who have the, the, the nicest clothes, the best car. No, I look after first the, the one who would, all would abandon first and say they're worthless. Because to me, they're valued highly. So he looks at the Hebrew servant and says, I value your life. I'm going to make sure that what's being done is done fair. And so if you were to buy a Hebrew Hebrew servant, he shall serve six years, and in the seventh year shall go free and pay nothing. So no matter what the debt is by the seventh year, he's to go free. That's fair. He serves six with everything that he has, gives it his all, repays, and if it's still not there, on the seventh year he gets to go free. God values life. He wants to be fair. He wants to make sure that there's nothing being taken advantage of. If he comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself. That makes sense. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. That makes sense. In verse 4 it says, If his master has given him a wife, and she has borne him sons and daughters, the wife and her children shall be her master's. And she and he shall go out by himself. Now hold on. That doesn't seem so fair. I mean, it's six years. I, uh, Meg and I will be married six years this July. Praise the Lord for that. And you think, man, we've, we've developed quite a relationship these last six years. We love each other. We have fun together. We've had really good times. We've had some hard times. But we've had some good... It's been, it's been a ride. We've looked at, we've watched the Lord just be the God in everything that He does, and just it's a good thing. I couldn't imagine that I get to make it through this next year, and then July six next year, not six, is it the six? It is, it is. <laughs> Two days after the fourth, duh. I couldn't imagine having to be like, all right, I'll see you. It's been good. doesn't sound very fair. But look at what God says. It would be fair if it wasn't a good one, you know? If he was like, yeah, you know, it's like, uh, it's been a, uh, I'll see you. That makes sense. But look what happens. In verse 5 it says, But if the servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to the judges. It's like a ceremony. He shall also bring him to his door or to the doorpost, put him up against it, and bang. Put a nice piece of metal. Or I think, I'm not sure, it was, it was something, it may have been copper. Go look it up. I think it's pretty interesting. But put it through his ear to... to um, Signify that he's, he's mine forever. He, he chose this. And how beautiful that this would be the guideline. Because the master at this point, if he wants to stay, I love my master. I love him. Look what he's given me. He's given me this wife. She's bore me children. I love being here. I want to stay. He gets to. And I think of the masters in our life. And I say masters because there's only supposed to be one, but all those little ones just keep creeping back around. The ones that come and stare you down and make you think certain things, maybe a little fear, maybe a little pride, maybe a little anxiety, maybe discontentment. 
But we're going to serve. God created us to worship. We're going to find ourselves lifting our hands to someone. We sang a song that Jesus will be the one on our heart. But so many times we find others or other things on our heart. And that's when God goes, you're a slave. You're going to be a slave. You can either continue to be a slave to sin or you can now be a slave to righteousness. And you have the choice. And I'm going to show you life. If you choose righteousness, if you choose my son, if you choose me, and you walk by loving me and loving others around you, I will show you life. Yes, it will be difficult. I think we just heard it said that it should be nowhere said that it's easy. In fact, he says that the the narrow road is difficult and few will enter in. And I I think of, I I had my, my ears gauged. And when every time I did it, the, the posts got bigger and bigger and bigger. That's the idea. And every time they got bigger, the pain kind of increased. It hurt. And I can imagine that having this nail, this owl drove, driven through his ear, it had to be painful. What a choice. What a choice of pain. But what a choice of life. And so we're here tonight, and, and the Lord wants to encourage us. There's a master to be chosen. And we can choose Him. We can decide to choose the good Master who will, leave, who, will, who will say, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. Who will take us in and He'll give us a plan. He'll give us a purpose. He'll help us when we need help. When we cry out, He'll, he'll hear our prayer and He'll come. When we get off course, He'll bring us back. He's a good, good Father. Or we can find ourselves to the others. We can find ourselves surrendering ourselves, enslaving ourselves, becoming in bondage once again to sin. But that's not what He wants for us. He wants us to see that what He has for us is good. And He Himself, He did not count it in in, uh, Philippians. I believe it's uh, chapter um, 2, verse 5. I'm going to turn there. Because this is, this is now Him showing us that choosing and loving the Master is a good thing. Chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you which also is in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery, to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant. He left his heavenly abode and came down, taking the form of a servant, of a slave, a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him, And given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of good of the Father. It's it must have been we don't even we can't wrap our minds just the Jesus leaving us, having the boat and coming down in the likeness of man. And you went through such pain. He went through such suffering, even to the point of death, even to the death on a cross. But you see the life that came from it. How encouraging. 
The Jesus that says, would you follow me? Would you become a bondservant of me? If you read the New Testament, you see all of these, these, these godly men starting off a bondservant of Jesus Christ, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, a servant of Jesus Christ. That was, their, that was what they wanted to be identified with. I serve him. Why? Because he can bring me life. And it is good. And I love that he gets to now keep his wife and he gets to keep his children. And you think of James. Every good thing, every perfect gift comes from heaven. And in John it says that there is nothing a man receives that's not from above. We get to choose to to enslave ourselves to our king. That's a king who values life. He says, I, I want you to be mine so that I can give you life. I can, I can show you afresh. I can help you navigate in righteousness and in just, in peace and in joy. How sweet of a thing. Now go, moving on in verse 7 it says, And if a man sells his daughter to, a, to be a female slave, she shall not go out as the male servants do. As the male slaves do. It means that if she gets sold, which a lot of the times, you know, maybe a daughter would be sold as an early dowry. Or maybe she would be sold to cover a debt. But she doesn't get to leave as the male servants do, which means she doesn't just get to go after six and leave on the seventh. She, gets, she has to stay. It's the covenant that's made. It's, it's the agreement that's made. Verse 8, If she does not please her master who has betrothed him to himself, then he shall let her be redeemed. How good is that for these ladies? If she doesn't please her master, if she's of no worth, he's looking at her for whatever reason, no, I'm sorry, it's just not working out. He can't just send her away. He, he has to let her be redeemed. He has to let her be restored, set free, or bought with purpose. He shall have no right to sell her to foreign people because that would be, that would, that, she would end up being outside of this, this rule, this, this judgment that covers her and that, that gives her um, security. So she's not going to be, God is not going to let them sell her to foreign people. That's a good thing. Since he has dealt deceitfully with her. Since he's broken the covenant, he had taken her in, the money was exchanged, and now that he's breaking the covenant, this, this contract, this, this agreement, it's, it's, it's on him. He can't just do, he can't make money off her. He can't just do what he wants. In verse 9, if, she, if he has betrothed her to his son, he shall deal with her accordingly to the custom of daughters. So now if he sends, you know what, it's not working out for me, but for my son, maybe you'll make a good bride. And now he has to treat her like a daughter. If he takes another wife... He shall not diminish her food, her clothing, or her marriage rights. And if he does not do these three things for her, he shall, she, she then should go out free without paying money. So now at the end of it, if, if he doesn't want her, if the son doesn't want her, and if it's not working out with her and another wife, she gets to go out free. How amazing. You think of slavery. You think of it. It doesn't work that way. It's It's brutal. There's no, there's no value of life. There's no, there's no looking on and caring if this, if this young girl or if this young lady has rights or not. It, she, she was bought how much? And it's just, that's how it is. Just gets passed along or 
what have you. But God cares. He values. He, and, and then for me, I look at this and I, and I start thinking and thinking, okay, he values these. And, and it starts shaping a prayer within me. You know, you think of all the wrong things that happen to young little boys and young little girls and, and what's taking place and how wrong it is. And you read this and you see God's heart and what he wants to do. You then, it, it births this prayer. And it's, it's not a, a, a lifeless prayer. You're praying to a God who cares. How beautiful. He cares. Even the lowest. Even when people look down and say, you're nothing. He says, no, you're everything. You're everything. You're enough. I, I sent my son to die so that I might have you forever. So now from the slavery, we're rolling on into violence. We're rolling on into murder. Into manslaughter. And all this good stuff. That as I looked at, I'm just like, this is, of course, the chapter I have. Verse 12, it says, He who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. God's saying, if you take a man's life, if, and by the way, this is a commandment, thou shalt not kill. If you kill, then your life shall be taken. This is an amazing thing. You look at this and you say, there's, there's justice here. There's, there's a penalty. There's... There's going to be a right made for the wrong that's done. But it's also a warning. It's also a warning. And it reminds me of a Psalm 19. And this is good. This is good for us. I was reading this Psalm, and I have to be honest. I read this list, and these lists always freak me out. They always... I, feel, I, I sometimes just feel distant to them. And I, I'm not sure why, and I... I I read it on the 19th. I, I sometimes read the psalm of the day. And I read it on the 19th. And I read and I was intrigued by this list. But yet, I was like, Lord, I feel distant from it. I, I, I don't quite understand it. And in, verse, in chapter 19, the psalms, verse 7, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And the judgments, the mishpat of the Lord, are true and righteous altogether. And I read that and I said, yeah, I believe it, but I don't understand it. I, I understand that these are all great things. We need these things, but Lord, they're, they're distant to me. And so he took the study of the word judgments and he said, they're true. They're, you're able to stand on them. They're firm and they're righteous. They're just. They are right. These judgments, the ones that I lay out to protect and to keep and to make right, they're firm and they're sound and they're right. And then it goes on in verse 10 to say, more to be desired are they than gold. Uh-oh. Lord, the thing that seems so distant, I'm supposed to be desiring them more than gold? Money? I like money. When the bank account goes up, it's a good thing. It's like, I get to pay some bills. A little extra, if you got it, you know, maybe buy a nice scarf for your wife. Something, something nice. It's a good thing. I like it. But I'm, I'm supposed to be desiring these more than gold. Yes, much more than fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. Huh? 
Moreover, by them your servant is warned. And in keeping them, there is a great reward. And now he's starting to speak to me through this text. He says, he who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely not be put to death. It's a judgment. And I'm saying, wow, this is a warning. I don't want to go here. I don't want to find myself doing these things because of the consequence that comes with them. These are warnings. These are good things. I should desire these. These help me. These keep me in the Lord's will and in His plan. This perfect will, this is a good, a good thing. He goes on to say, Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from the secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall, then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Wow, Lord, thank you. Thank you for giving me these commandments and these laws and these testimonies and these judgments because they're here to help me. Help me understand that I can, I can not be found in them. I can be found in you. I can stray away from these. I can, I can know them. I can understand them so that I don't break them, so that I don't go near them. So he who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. However, if he did not lie in wait, but God delivered him into his hand, then I will appoint for you a place where he may flee. If an accident took place, if it wasn't thought out, if he didn't lie in wait, if he wasn't sitting there behind the corner with a knife and the guy that he knew was coming out of the workplace at 10, 10 p.m. every night, and that he, if it wasn't thought out, if it wasn't on purpose... But God, let it be so. Then, he, then I will appoint for you a place where you may flee. We find this at Joshua 20. The, as they're divvying up the lots, they also put a place so that if, if this, this um, situation takes place, they have a place to go to. You get to go there and basically live there until the priest, the high priest dies. And at that point, you get to be set free. At that point, it's wiped clean. And so you see that there's, there's, no, there's no, even if, if it was a mistake, then I will keep you. I will make sure that what's fair is done. In verse 14 it says, But if a man acts with premeditation against his neighbor, if it was thought out to kill him by treachery, you shall take him from my altar that he may die. Not even in my house, not even a false, a false, I'm sorry, nothing that if he comes to my presence, is going to work. But if it was done, then I'm going to make sure that it's taken care of and that he's going to die. In verse 15, it says, And he who strikes his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. We're working with another commandment too. Thou shalt not murder and thou shalt honor your father and your mother. So if you strike your father or your mother, you, you get put to death. Man, that's... For anyone who still finds himself living with their parents, you see the, the desire the Lord has for this relationship. If you strike it, then you shall surely be put to death. It was capital punishment. The death penalty was put in place for this. I think oftentimes, I mean, I know growing up for myself, I, I would find myself maybe not striking my parents, but definitely kicking back, threatening making fun of, not agreeing with, and, and it hurts God's heart because He set up a family unit to be good. He set up a family unit so that, so that He might be represented there. And as the world would look on, they would see a healthy family, and wow, 
No way. Could it be? Imagine that today, a healthy family unit. It's, they're there. And the, the, the life that it speaks to the, to, the, to the world we live in today. I know my generation, we, we'd say, just don't get married, man. Just keep doing you as long as you want. And it's, it's, it's bondage. It's, and you just keep finding yourself in, in turmoil and, and in the pit and... and the, the Lord comes along and brings a, a young married couple that loves him, that's, that's doing their best and giving him the rest. And they look on and go, what's up with you guys? You're married. You can't travel. And it's the opposite. It's like, actually, no, we, we get to do everything we love plus more because there's two of us. And now we get to do two things that are awesome instead of you're just doing one. It's not that you shouldn't just go get married because of that. But he values the family. He values the parent's role in a child's life. Jumps into 14, but if a man acts with premeditation against his neighbor, oh no, if in 16, he who kidnaps a man and sells him, or if he, fi- is, he is found in his hand, shall surely be put to death. Again, another verse that you look at this day and age, and how many kidnaps are taking place? How, how many... Just think of the the anxiety that you you see these commercials or these movies even i 've never really witnessed it in real life, but the anxiety a mother has to has to fear maybe within a city holding on to their 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 children I grew up in Vermont, the back roads man, like we left the door unlocked you didn 't have to come home until the sun was coming back up it just we were young and dumb, and we got to do just out playing in our ten acres. It was just a good thing we didn 't this 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 threat of being kidnapped, this, this evil wickedness, it just wasn't a thing. But how it is such a thing. I think I actually saw a Facebook little video and I clicked on it. And it was a camera catching a man grabbing a child from a store. The mom caught it in time, ran out and beat the man and got her kid back. And I'm just like, what? And God's like, listen. Listen to what I believe in. If a man is... I'm sorry, I keep losing my spot. He who kidnaps a man and sells him, or is found, or he is found in his hand, shall surely be put to death. He hates this. He hates this. It breaks his heart. And so the death penalty is, is put in place for this. Again, focusing or refocusing, or maybe for the first time, a prayer. Praying to a God who cares about this, and he's going to, to, to honor that. In verse 17 it says, And he who curses his mother and father shall surely be put to death. You can't even swear at him. That's how much God values the, the father and mother relationship to the children. Because if that starts to break up, then that child is going to be finding himself or herself down the road, needing the Lord to help them understand a father and a mother. You keep that together, you keep that, and it's just less issues. It's less battles and struggles for that child to go through. And I'm not a parent, but I think I would even imagine that it's got to be hard for to have a kid that's running away. I mean, I have friends that, that ran away, and you hear the stories of how this parent prayed and prayed and prayed, and when they came back, it was a beautiful thing. 
And you see the, the Lord just reuniting and, and making hearts. And, but for that stress the parents have to go through and, and crying out to the Lord and trusting Him, it's, you see that it breaks God's hearts and He, and he wished it wasn't so. Verse 18, it says, If men contend with each other, and one strikes the other with a stone with his, or with his fist, and he does not die but confined to his bed, if he rises again and walks about outside with his staff, then he who struck him shall be acquitted. He shall only pay for the loss of his time and shall provide for him to be thoroughly healed. I, that's workers' comp. I look at that, and you got in a little rustle-tussle. You hit him with your fist, you hit him with a stone, and he went down for, let's say, a month. You now have to pick up what he would have made in that month. Maybe it's where we get workers' comp from. But you are the comp. You are the person who has to pay. And if the man beats his male servant with a rod, a male or female servant with a rod, so that he dies under his hand, he shall surely be punished. Notwithstanding, if he remains alive for a day or two, he shall not be punished, for he is his property. So this sounds pretty cruel. It's like, okay, so if he dies, then you should be punished. If your male or female servant dies, you just beat him. He didn't, they disrespected. They didn't do what was asked of him. They got a little beating, and they, they died. You're going to be punished. Now, what that punishment was was up to the judges. Notwithstanding, if he remains alive a day or two, he shall not be punished, for he is his property. So now, the, the servant, you know, he's unconscious, but he's, he's remained alive the first day. He's still alive the second day, and then he passes on the third day. It's all clear. It's your property. And you go, well, that's brutal. He didn't mean to... You look at it, and you have to see that the reason why he's not being punished is because he didn't mean to kill him. If he, if he lasts... I know that when people go out to kill him and they succeed, they succeed. If someone goes out and you know, you, you get in a little fight at the bar and you push him down and everyone's a little tipsy and he smacks his head on the, on the curb and, and gets unconscious and you're like, oh my gosh, I just pushed the guy down. I didn't mean to do this. What the heck happened? Day or two. You didn't mean to do it. So here, if they last a day or two, if they remain alive a day or two, it, it's not being punished because they didn't mean to kill them. In verse 22, if men fight and hurt a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet no harm follows. He shall surely be punished according as the woman husband imposes on him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. So again, men get in a little fight, and they end up hitting a woman who's pregnant. She falls down, something happens, baby's born prematurely, and if the baby's good, then the husband gets to decide what the punishment is. So, We'll find out. I don't know. I mean, I have some friends. I have Derek. Derek is a, he's a good guy. But he loves his family. I can't imagine. I don't know. But I could only imagine that it, there would be a little bit of punishment. I, would, I think Kendra would be back there cheering him on. That there might be. But... But if any harm follows, and he shall pay as the judge. But if any harm follows, then you shall give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, burn wound for wound, stripe for stripe. 
And I won't go into it, but we do see the value that, that the Lord puts on um, babies who are still in the womb. If, if there ends up happening to be any death that would come from an accident or uh, something that was on purpose, uh, he says that it's life for life. It's, it's, it's life that would be taken, so life has to be given. Verse 26, it says, An eye for an eye, a tooth for tooth, a hand for hand, a foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. You look at this and, and you see that it's fair. Um, they say that the, the Pharisees took this as their obligation. They would see this and say, Okay, life for life, that's what you've got to give. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, burn for burn, stripe for stripe, that's what's got to happen. It's got, did you get your tooth knocked out? Knock out his tooth. And it, it became an obligation. It became their duty. It's what they set out to do. It made them feel good. But it wasn't set there that this is what your obligation was. You don't, you don't have to do it. It's actually there because when you get your tooth knocked out, you want to knock out his tooth. You see? If you, if you get a burn, you, you want to burn back. I work on the grill. You get burns. It's not fun. If you could burn the grill back, you would. But you just put it out. You say, there, now you can't burn anybody. And you're just like, now i got to turn it back on. But it's, not, it's there because man's heart says, you knocked out my eye. I'm going to take out both of yours. See, God is not saying, this is what you need to do. This is saying, this is all that you can do. I understand that. You want justice, and I'm a God of justice. I, it, this can be fair, this can be made right, but you can't go above and beyond what was done to you. And then you have Jesus, and he says, well, hold on. Tooth for tooth, yeah, but if he hits your cheek, turn the other one. You don't have to. How beautiful of a thing that we live in a, in a day when Jesus says, I understand man's heart. I understand that you want that tooth. You want the teeth. He took your eye. You might as well take both. And I'm going to say, whoa, 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 one for one. But then I'm also going to say that you don't even need to go there. Why? You have me. You don't even need to go there. You don't need to find yourself in a place of needing to have revenge. Why? We know that vengeance is the Lord's. How more amazing is it in a testimony that someone has wronged you, has done something to you? The Lord's will take care of it. He always does. If something's wrong, He will make sure that it's right. It's His nature. And we can trust that. And then we can see Him move in that and we can be inspired by it. Verse 26. If a man strikes the eye of his male servant and destroys it, he shall let him go free for the sake of his eye. And if he knocks out a tooth of his male servant, he shall let him go free for the sake of the tooth. So even in slavery, even in having servants, um, you can't put them in a position to that where they, they aren't as useful. If, you, if, the, if they take the eye, then he, he can't work as well. He, and he probably can't pay back. And, and it's just not fair to put him in that condition. I'm not so sure about the tooth, to be honest. I... Um, especially this day and age when you can get some nice dentures and use the glue of whichever kind you want to put them back in, and it's all good. But he cares. He says if, if you've put him in a position where he's now not going to be able to be as effective, he gets to go free. Again, he values life. He values life. 
He's setting up these principles. He's setting up so that when these, ju- when these people come with these things and these things, and these situations, these disputes, these judges can go and they can be governed by theocracy, not man-made. We read in the book of Judges, and they did what they wanted. They went with what they wanted. They followed after their own heart. How, if, 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 a, if this isn't set up and given, then men are just, you know what, that sounds good, let's go with it. And yeah, uh, well, we did that, that, it didn't work so well, so we're going to go with this now. This is now going to be our decision. But how much more unity does it bring when you just have one decision, when you have one principle, when you have one idea? And of course it varies, but it's the Lord. It's going back to the Lord and asking, Lord, what would you have me do with this? You value it. You see it for what it is. Would you take care of it? Would you help me with it? Would you give me discernment? Would you give me wisdom? Let me seek after that. Let me know. Let me, let me be someone who can, can be governed by you and start to implement your way. And now we get into the whole ox thing. And this one really threw me for a loop. Because I'm like, what's an ox? I just think it's a big bull or something with horns. It's like a tractor. I can relate to tractors. We have a, we have a tractor out at the ranch. So I kind of like, I'm not going to lie, I, I kind of thought about tractors because it would be their tractor. It's what helped them plow the fields and such. So I don't know if you want to use tractor because it might be more relative. I did, but ox still works. Verse 28, if an ox gores a man or a woman to death, then the ox shall surely be stoned. Fair. And its flesh shall not be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall be acquitted. Nothing. It's, it was just an I'm sorry. My ox got out of control. Um, he broke his bridle. I don't know if they use bridle for oxes. They'd have to be a big bridle. But he broke it, and he went, and he, he, he gored a man or a woman, and, and they died. He, the ox needs to get stoned because now it's probably a wild ox. It needs to be, it needs to be done away with. And, but the, the owner of it shall be no penalty. He's acquitted. But if the ox tended to thrust with its, thorn, its horn in past times, and it has been made known to his owner, and his owner has not kept it confined, so that it killed a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned, and its owner shall be put to death. So now you have a wild ox. You know, it went out, and it kind of was a little, you know, just... If it was a dog, it was biting people, it was drowning at people, and it's just like you went to the dog park and like you can't come back here. Like, sorry, Graham, you gotta go. That's my dog, if you were wondering. But you take him back and you've been told about this, and now if you don't keep it inside, if you don't keep it constrained, and he gets out again and he bites someone, it's now on you. The ox got out and he killed someone, and you knew about it. Now God values this. He says, this is, this is not good ownership. This is not, this is not good responsibility. You have been warned about this and told about this, and I value this. So now this one's on you, and the owner shall also be put to death. If there is an imposed on him of a sum of money, then he shall pay to redeem his life, whatever is imposed on him. Maybe he doesn't need to. Maybe saying, you actually, you know what? It's all good. Um, if you would pay this off, you can, you can live. Whether it, is, it has gored a son or gored a daughter, according to this judgment, it shall be done to him. If the ox gores a male or female servant, he shall give the master 30 shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. So now the ox breaks out, and there's a bunch of servants out working in the field, and the ox ends up running them over, gores them, kills them. Um, it's worth 30 shekels. Uh, that you have to pay the master 30 shekels of silver. And I thought this one to be interesting. 
because it was 30 shekels of silver that Judas was paid for turning over Jesus. You look at that and you think about it. It's like this master got 30 shekels for the death of a servant. Is that all Jesus was worth? That's what Jesus, it was just, Jesus was worth as much as a servant being gored by an ox. He was, he was, he was, he came as a servant. He was known as a servant. And yet, he came and he served us. And how beautiful that he did that. Verse 33, it says, And if a man opens a pit, or if a man digs a pit and does not cover it, and an ox and a donkey falls in it, Sorry, I looked up at the time just to make sure I lost my spot again. And does not cover and an ox or a donkey falls in it, the owner of the pit shall make it good. He shall give money to their owner, but the dead animal shall be his. So if you have a pit and you dug it deep and the ox and the donkey had fallen into it and it had died, then you have to give, you have to make it good with the owner. Give her money for the owner and the dead animal is now yours. Verse 35, if a man's ox hurts another so that it dies, then they shall sell the live ox and divide the money from it. So this is when I thought of a tractor. Okay, So you got one guy in one Kubota and another one in the other. And this guy is swinging his Kubota around. He's got the whole bucket loader and he's swinging it around. And he hits another guy's bucket loader and it breaks. Then he has to sell his Kubota, give the money to the man, and then they divide the parts of the broken one. Okay? (laughs) 36. Or if it was known that the ox tended to thrust in times past and its owner has not kept it confined, he shall surely pay ox for ox and the dead animal shall be it. So now the Kubota driver has been known to be wild and crazy and he went out and hit another Kubota. I think that's what it's called, is Kubota. But he hits it and he breaks it down and it's no longer good. He now has to give him his Kubota and he gets the parts. And you read that and you're like, all I got to do is walk away from him. God, you care from great to small. You care about all livelihood. You are so about our day-to-day. You really do see everything. You really do look down and, and we might be having a hard day because of spilt milk, but you still care. There's still a genuineness that goes out and says, I, I want to be with you. I want you to know me. And that's really what I see in this chapter is, is a God who cares. A God who truly values life. And he, and he goes on to continue to talk about more of these principles, more of these judgments. Um, but for us tonight, would we walk away encouraged, truly knowing that, that he has made right the wrong? Um, I think of the man in, that, was, that was called out in Corinth for doing such a wrong thing. Um, sleeping with his mother-in-law and Paul needing to write and saying, this is not good. This is, this, is, this, is, this is horrible. Something needs to be done about this. You need to get him out of the church and give him under, unto the devil. Let him go his way. Because one, I need to protect the body. I need, I need, I need, I'm, 
I, want, I care about the ones who might be hurt or are being hurt by this person who is just not with it, not right. But I also care for the one who's being sent out because he was sent out so that he would have his way with the devil, so that he'd be brought to the end of himself, so that he would see that there is no value in this at all, and that he might find himself back to the Lord. The Lord still sends out his decisions, and there's decisions that are made that are hard. But when they're made, when the Lord says, this is my way, this is how we can make a right, a wrong, a right. We can make right or wrong. And for those of us who are sitting in the room that have tasted both sides of that, at the end of the day, when you make it through and you see the Lord in all, you get to look up and be thankful. You get to look up and say, Lord, you value life. You really do. You really do care. You care if we're being affected and you care for the ones who are affecting. And, and it breaks your heart that it would happen, but he comes in and he, and he makes his way. And he works all things good for those who love him. All things work together for good for those who love him. And then just the last thought, I think of our life and not being fair. I think of a movie we just watched, um, Indivisible. Great movie. Christian movie about a chaplain who went to war and bad things started happening. Guys started getting on his case. Come on, chap, why does this happen? Why does this happen? He's like, I don't know. But what I do know is that he sent his son to die. What I do know is that all the wrong that takes place, that everyone's like, I deserve a pound of flesh for this. I deserve something. I want it. I want this to be made right. I want this to be made right. He said, I made it right. What was due was paid. And if you want a pound of flesh from them, you've got to give a pound of flesh from yourself. But if we would all just look at the flesh that was given, what unity? Only in heaven, I believe. But we can strive for peace. It says in the Bible we are to be peacemakers. We are to strive for peace. We are to go into situations that might be a little wrangled and tangled and be peacemakers. We're not supposed to just bless people with peace. We're supposed to be ones who are equipped with the Holy Spirit to go in and be His rightfulness, His righteousness through faith and just trusting and experiencing and showing His love. So be encouraged. He really cares. He's really knowing who you are and where you're at. And he really has done everything he needed to do to make it right. And though we may not taste the fullness of righteousness this side of heaven, we will taste it someday. So be encouraged. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this study through the book of Exodus this evening. If you would like more information about Sela Fellowship, please visit us on the web at selahfellowship.org. While you are there, feel free to check out some of our other messages and past book studies. Thank you again, and God bless.